You are listening to sermon audio from Red Tree Church. For more information about our church or to find more sermon audio, visit redtreechurch.com. The reality is, not all of us are feeling in a celebrating mood this morning. And that's, that's an unfortunate reality of having a family of believers. We don't all have the same experience. I was reflecting this morning on the Red Tree family of churches and then kind of our larger connection through missional partnerships and our association. And I was thinking about just where the different bodies of believers are in different, different ministries and missions we support this morning, right? And so you have, you have us, we're in, we're in this space, Red Tree, the mothership, and we're, we're kind of celebrating this, this 10th birthday. And then we have our sister church, Mid-Cities, who this morning is processing some really hard stuff with, with David Comstock stepping out of leadership. And, and, and they're, just, they're in this space that, not necessarily sorrowful, but heavy, as they're, as they're coming together as a body and thinking through the future. And then we have our sister church, The Gathering, in Mumbai, that right now is in this really good spot where they're building momentum and they're seeing people come to the Lord. They just baptized a Muslim imam in their church. I mean, praise God! They're, they're going through this process of, of revisioning and casting the original vision of the church for the, the new body as it's grown so much. And they're, they're going through this formal relaunch this fall. And it's just going to be, like for them, it's this time of excitement and momentum and just, wow, they're seeing God move in new ways and they keep outgrowing their space and they keep starting new missional communities and gospel communities. And it's just like, man, that's exciting, Right? And then we think about our missional partners. We, we already said this, but Echo Church, Rob Rash in Washington, Missouri, they're having their first formal gathering right now. Right now. They're in Washington, and this, this core group of people are sitting together in their, in their worship space for the first time, going through Romans 12 together, just celebrating the faithfulness of God to bring them where they are. And then we have we have Win the Saints in, in Malawi, Africa, and, and if you, I don't know if you guys know this, but David and, and S.C. Paterka, who run that, they moved to Malawi this week. They, they got there like two days ago. And, and they're in this space where they were moving there to do all this vision stuff and revamp the, the ministry and build more safe homes on the property. And yet three weeks or whatever it is, a month before they moved there, their director died. Newman dro- dropped dead and it was unexpected and tragic and now they're on the ground they're reprocessing man what is what does it mean to go forward who who can we lean on to be to be kind of our our lead person the face of this ministry and then we have apostles church and faith community bible church these churches that are planted in some of the hardest soil in all of st louis planted in the midst of poverty and in the midst of of racial disunity and a lot of angst and tension and yet they are just plowing away faithfully proclaiming the gospel over and over in communities that honestly don't grow churches and that's all happening at the same time and so we have brothers and sisters right now who are just stoked out of their mind and brothers and sisters right now who are hurting and are sorrowful and yet all of us are drawn together into the same community, the same kingdom. And here's what really blows my mind about it. God is equally present and engaged in every single one of those experiences. How crazy is that? 
He's, he's with our brothers and sisters in North City who are exhausted and have their hand to the plow. And he is with them just saying, stay strong, stay faithful. And he's with our brothers and sisters in Malawi who are hurting and mourning. And he's hurting and mourning with them. And he's here with us celebrating the goodness and the story that he's been working in our lives. All at the same time. How good is that? How, how cool is that? How wonderful is our God? Amen? So here's what I want to do, and I will be as brief as I can. I want us to remind ourselves of the vision, the, 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 the purpose behind our church, the heartbeat behind the Red Tree family of churches, and then I want that to push us forward into begging and asking this good and wonderful and present God to continue this story. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we have house Bibles at the end of the rows. We'd love for you to just grab that and use it. If you don't have a physical Bible, please take one of those home. We would love that to be a gift to you. We really value uh, the, the, the reality of the Word of God and the life of the believer, and so we want to make sure you guys all have access to that. So we're going to be in Ephesians 2 today. Um, if you've been at Red Tree a while, you probably know, right, the the vision of the church. Every January we come back and we're like, let's rally around the vision of the church. And that's the cool, trendy thing. I, this is like, this, this kind of drives me nuts just because I think I'm, I'm a mildly rebellious person by nature. But I go to these, I go to these pastors' conferences or meetups or prayer days. And, and that's kind of like the way church planners, pastors size each other up. They're like, what's your attendance? Cool, what's your vision? And you have to be able to say it in like three words. And they're kind of like, and it kind of drives me nuts. But it's also really important. It's important for us to be able to come together and simply articulate, man, what is God calling us to? What are we doing together as a family? And so at Red Tree, we, we use this language. We say, we exist to glorify God through seeing lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You guys familiar with that language? We exist to glorify, three, three points there, right? We exist to glorify God. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. It's all about His work, His glory. Through seeing lives transformed by the gospel. So life change, people coming together as family of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed. It all, it all comes together and we articulate those things in these three key words, right? The, the rhythms of our church is, is Jesus, family or community, and mission. We come back to that. Everything we do, it all comes back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Really quick, if you haven't heard that yet, it's all about Jesus. That's what we're here for. And Jesus draws us together into a new kind of family. He, he creates bonds between souls that are thicker than blood. And so because it's all about Jesus, we become a family. And we're not a family for ourselves. We're a family for others. I had a professor in my undergraduate program who always said, the church is the only institution that exists for its non-members. We're a family for others. So it's about mission. It's about giving our best to love and serve the lost and the hurting and the dying. So I want to bring us back to Scripture, because that's, that's cool, right? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, we got this cool vision, we're one of those churches. But I want, to, I want to root us in the Word of God, because that isn't just words that guys made up in a coffee shop in Lake Tahoe. That is, that is built out of years of, of multiple elders and pastors scrolling through the Scripture, praying over our community, over our church, and landing on that language. So we're going to look at that today. 
out of Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 11. We're going to read through the end of the chapter. So the 11th verse of the second chapter of the letter to the Ephesians tells us this. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Can I read that one more time? You were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promises, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, You who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And this is the word of the Lord. That's one of those passages that pretty much just stands on its own, right? Like we could pretty much just go home at that point. I want to I draw out just a couple quick things for you guys. Paul is writing this letter here to the church at Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was one of the really important early churches. It was a predominantly Gentile church uh, in Asia Minor. So, so they were definitely distinctly different, separate from kind of the uh, the more Jewish church in Jerusalem and in Antioch and even a lot of the, the more Roman Western churches. Ephesus was this unique body of Christ. They're referenced multiple times in the scriptures. Multiple key people were prominent leaders there. Paul, Timothy, John, the apostle. But Ephesus was this, was this important church in the early movements of the gospel. And Paul writes this letter to this predominantly Gentile church, right? Folks who are not Jewish by birth or culture or heritage, who don't have a full understanding of, of the Torah law and, those, and, and the Jewish culture that a lot of the early church did have. And he, he writes to them about this difference. And he says, listen, listen, you remember there was a point when you were just totally disconnected from this. You were as dead as dead could be. You had no idea that God had even covenanted himself to people and even made promises, much less being included in them. You had no hope. You were totally separate. God was working and he was working apart from you. But Jesus Christ made a way for you. 
by his death, by his resurrection, by his blood, by the work on the cross, Jesus made a way for you to be a part of the family. You were drawn into those covenants and those promises. I love, I love the language where he says, by the cross, he has made one person, one people. He's drawn you together. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. He's drawn you together into one person. He's broken down the walls of hostility. He's torn down the separation. You are united together in the household of God. The work of Jesus has made a way for people who were dead without hope to not not just escape the wrath of their hopelessness, not just escape the punishment of their sin, but, but actually made a way for them to be a part of God's blessing. My goodness gracious. Jesus' love for his creation is so much that he doesn't just withhold the just punishment for sin. He instead imparts the perfect blessing of righteousness. And he says to these people, you have been included. You are part of the family. It started all the way back with the prophets. It was continued by the apostles. And now you are a part of the family. And he uses this stark image of a stone building, right? And he says, the apostles and the prophets, Christ being the cornerstone. We, we use this phrase a lot, right? The cornerstone, Christ. Um, it's kind of separate from us because we don't use masonry foundations a lot. We have modern technology and concrete and construction workers and, and contractors and all those good folk who allow us to not worry about cornerstones. But it's actually really important in this day. If you're laying a masonry foundation, if you're laying stones as a foundation, they have to be perfectly squared. And so the cornerstone would be the first stone you would lay down. And if it was not exactly right, perfect right angles, then as you set stones off of it, they would not be right. And as you built up the outside walls, eventually the most minute off of right angle in the cornerstone would result in a wall that's leaning forward and they would topple in or topple out. If you did not have a perfect cornerstone, you could not build the building. And so Paul says, Christ is the cornerstone. Christ is the cornerstone. Perfectly shaped. His person, his work, exactly fits the mold so that when other stones, prophets, apostles, church members are set off that, the building that is built is perfect and it does not fall. And then he says, you yourselves are a part of this. Turn with me over to the right to 1 Peter. Chapter 2, he uses... The Apostle Peter uses this same language. Starting in verse 4 of the second chapter, Peter says, As you came to him, him being Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you 
are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul, keeping your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter uses this same imagery and connects it to Old Testament imagery saying, yes, Jesus is the perfect cornerstone. And as you receive life and are invited into this family, you are being built on that cornerstone as living stones, creating a temple for the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we are drawn together through the power of Christ into his perfect family. And I love that image. The the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The world looked at Jesus and looked at his work and said, that's not what a savior looks like. That's not what those things look like. And they rejected him. And yet he has become the perfect cornerstone. And whoever is built upon Christ is built up perfectly. Amen. So that's who we are. That's where we get this language. It's all about Jesus. He is the cornerstone. Apart from Jesus, the building cannot stand. But Jesus becomes the cornerstone and we are drawn into his family. By the work on the, his work on the cross, by the power of his blood, we are washed clean. We are included in the promises and covenants of God. And we are laid as living stones upon that foundation to build up a temple. And beloved, look at this. In verse 9, a holy nation a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Beloved, you are not built as a living temple for the Spirit of God for no reason. You are not built as living stones into a temple that you may sit in comfort and enjoy the blessings you've received from Christ in laziness. You are not built as a living temple that you might turn inward upon yourself and make choices concerning your own happiness and your own desires. You are carved into living stones and you are laid into that wall and that building is built up that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you. Beloved, we are called into the kingdom for the purpose of proclamation. We are called into the kingdom. Christ asks us to give of ourselves, to die into ourselves and our desires and our pleasures and to sacrifice that more might be drawn in. It's all about Jesus. Jesus' power makes us into a family, a family like this world has never seen that is drawn together from differing places of life and ideas and political concepts and cultures and languages and made into one beautiful construct that is the family of God. It's all about Jesus. And he makes a family. And that family is on mission. We're drawn together that we might proclaim then we might invite others in to the goodness and the life we are experiencing in Christ. I said it at the beginning. A lot has changed at Red Tree Church in 10 years. 
a lot. In fact, this is funny. A few years ago, someone visited our church, and they had come a long time ago, and then they were gone for a while, and they came back. And Kim and I met them after the gathering, and they go, this is Red Tree Church? Yeah, Red Tree Church. The one that used to meet in the bar? Yeah. Where'd, uh, where'd all the hipsters go? I was like, well, they actually went to Maplewood. <laughs> we're all that's left, sorry. <laughs> oh, they didn't come back, so. <laughs> Hopefully they went to Maplewood, right? Maybe they're there right now. <laughs> a lot has changed. This church feels a lot different, looks a lot different. We do different things, and yet this has not changed. It is all about Jesus. Everything we do and say in this space as a body has one purpose, and that purpose is Jesus. And that person, Jesus, draws us together and makes the most (laughs) unlikely family you could possibly think of. Beloved, I love you guys, but think about that for a minute. You're really weird to be hanging out together. (laughs) God makes us into a family that is unique and special for a specific purpose, to invite others in. So here's what we're going to do. Um, in just a minute, I'm going to pray. Our band's going to play a song, and I'm going to invite you guys to take communion. Uh, we do that on the, the first weekend of the month. And here's what I would like you to do as you take communion. I'd like for you guys to take communion by yourself. I'd like for you to take a few minutes and reflect on this call that God has put upon our church, put upon you as someone sitting in this room as part of this body. I'd like for you to actually think about those three words, right? Of Jesus and family and mission. And I'd like you to reflect on how you actually engage those. Is Jesus the primary focus of your life? Is it actually, like it's so easy to say it's all about Jesus and then amen it. But, but is that actually true in your life? If you walked away from your faith tomorrow, what would actually change besides your Sunday morning schedule? And I want you to think about that. Is it actually all about Jesus in your life? Do you actually experience family? Are you part of the family? Are you actually drawn in and connected to these people that you really shouldn't be connected with in any other circumstance? And man, if you are, if you're experiencing life and Christ and family and confession and transparency and growth here, does that terminate on you? Are you actually using the blessing you're receiving in this family to proclaim his excellencies, to invite others in? I want you to reflect on that as you take communion today. And the reason is this, it all starts with Jesus. When we take communion, when we, when we take the elements and we, and we eat the bread and we, and we drink the juice, we're, we're remembering a body broken and blood poured out. We're remembering the cross that made one people out of two. The blood that broke down the walls of hostilities and created this thing called the kingdom of God. Reflecting on that. So I would encourage you to actually take communion and, and think on those things. As you guys sit, as you pray, as you take communion, we're actually going to have several of our leaders step up around the room. They're going to be holding up a paper with a number on it. There's going to be six of them. And after you take communion, I'd like you to go find one of those groups and sit with them. And we're going to end out our time together by praying over this church and over God's continued work in St. Louis and in the world. Because the reality is, if it's all about Jesus, then we need to be proclaiming his excellencies. 
And we want to pray for God to continue that work. And so you're going to have prompts to pray over our family of churches, to pray over Red Tree and Mid-Cities and the gathering. You're going to have prompts to pray over our missional partners around the city and around the world. And then specifically, I want you to hear this. We have asked all our missional partners to spend several weeks praying over where they would like to see churches planted in the coming years. Where are the places in St. Louis and around our country and around the world that are just black holes in desperate need of the proclamation of the goodness of Jesus? And they've given us names of cities and communities and neighborhoods, and each one of your groups is going to have a different set of those. And so I want you guys to spend time praying over those communities, asking God to raise up leaders and to make a way and to provide funds and people and all the stuff necessary that the gospel might be faithfully proclaimed in every single one of those spaces. That sounds that sound good? We understand that? I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to come up, and then we're going to open the communion table. Jesus, thank you so much. Jesus, you're so good. Oh. Jesus, I am. I am the worst. I take, I take your grace, your blood for granted. I, I receive your blessings and I revel in them and I allow them to terminate upon myself. I accept your forgiveness and your gifts and then I still live for my flesh and live for my pleasure and live for my own desires. God, kill that in me. Jesus, kill that in us. Oh, Jesus, may we experience your gospel in such power, in such life that it actually changes us, that we actually die into ourselves and actually give ourselves fully to your kingdom. May we love and serve the brothers and sisters around us with a weightiness and a reality that that is just bigger than ourselves. And God, may you use us to proclaim your excellencies to a dead and dying world in desperate need of you. Jesus, we ask that the transformation you do in our hearts, more people might be drawn into your kingdom. God, you are the only one that can do this work. So we ask you to do it. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Red Tree Church. Visit redtreechurch.com for more information.